0: Hey, it's BT, and this episode of Tales from Gemini is with Jessica Martin. Jessica Martin is, bar- is part of the Build Train Race Program with Royal Enfield at Royce's of Moto America, and she's also part owner of the Hot Mess Racing Team. We talk, uh, her foray into, like, being a adrenaline junkie, and how the, uh, with loss, she found her true calling in life. Uh, it's a fun talk, I think you'll become a big fan of her, so enjoy Jessica Martin. I like your shirt, by the way. Oh, thank you, Jessica. I appreciate it. I'll start it off. I'll start. Don't you start. I'll start it. When we hear that music, we know it's time. It's like the lights going red and you're like green and we're racing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tales from a Gemini. I'm not going to lie. I'm happy, but I'm also pissy because I don't know why. I can't find Peach Cobbler in in the town i I can't find it there's one place had peach cobbler last night and it closed at eight it was a barbecue joint and i went there and and the guy said to the other guy to the cook he goes hey man are we out of peach cobbler no we have some i'm waiting and he goes hey man we're out of peach cobbler and he goes didn't i just ask you that and i left really pissy and now that i'm talking to you i know you're from georgia i know there's peach cobbler somewhere in georgia right
1: Oh, yeah. We got lots of peach cobbler.
0: So listen, uh, what can I do for you to like to box some up and just send it to me and like overnight it?
1: I mean, we can make it happen. (laughs) We got all varieties, too. I need to know what kind you want.
0: There's there's a peach cobbler factory here. I just love that twang. (laughs) Oh, We can make it happen. We can make it happen. And You know, I fly airplanes. So I'll tell you what, I get off work here. Uh, I'll I'll be here by 35, 45 minutes. I love it. Hey, we we can do that too. (laughs) I'm talking to Jessica Martin. She's part of the Build Train Race program with Royal Enfield. And she also flies air. But matter of fact, what don't you do there, Jessica?
1: oh man there's a ton of things i don't do just it just tends to stand out i guess a little bit airplanes and motorcycle they kind of go together in a weird way um there's a lot of a lot of the same people doing the
0: same stuff so it's kind of cool well are, now are you an adrenaline junkie
1: i guess you could say so that that would be an accurate statement yeah.
0: have, have you always been that way <laughs> like how did you grow up did you grow up with brothers or and you were a tomboy I was
1: 100% a tomboy. I do have a brother. Um, I grew up on a military base. Um, there you go. And a lot of the kids that were a little bit older than me were all boys. And I just kind of went underneath their wing. And you could say I probably acquired a lot of that from living on a military base.
0: Okay, so what, what military bases were, and like, where were you born, and what military bases have you lived in your a wonderful life that you've lived? So,
1: in? very unique situation. My father was in the Army, um, landed in Savannah, Georgia, back in the 70s. Um, they had me in 1983. And he was stationed at uh, Hunter Army Airfield. Um, The only other base I've been to besides that was in Augusta. And my brother was born there two years later. And then we went back to Hunter. And my dad spent um, the remainder of his 12 years uh, in the military at Hunter Army Airfield, which is very, very, very rare. Um, So I was not the typical Army brat. I pretty much lived at Hunter my whole entire life.
0: So you have that military blood in you, basically, which means you are crazy, and yep. loco, as they say.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so now was it a, a situation where you wanted to be like your brothers growing up or or in the military? I don't know how that works with the military. Like were you like all the kids, were they mainly boys and you wanted to hang with them? Because cause I, yeah, I don't know you like that, but it seems like from, this, from your pictures and everything that I've seen, it seems to me like there's a little bit of stubbornness and a little bit of, hey, if you can do it, I can do it too. Even though when I'm a girl, I can do it also.
1: Yeah, that's probably accurate. Um, my brother's younger than me, so I definitely didn't get it from him. Um, I don't know. It's really unique. Uh, nobody in my family rode. Nobody. My parents didn't play sports. They didn't do any of that. But I was very active in softball and basketball, played those in high school. Um, and then motorcycles and cars were just something I've always been drawn to. Um, my dad was a big car guy. Um, he did. He wasn't a fan of motorcycles. They actually had a, a really good friend of their son that got killed on a motorcycle, said they were not advocates for motorcycles um so yeah I guess I I just always had this thing for bikes can't really say why or where it came from and then like a need for speed I've just always loved cars and fast things and mechanical things and um maybe my dad uh he was he was a mechanic a master mechanic and then living on the base you know obviously I was exposed to a lot of um different people that did a lot of different things. It was a, a kind of, they had a aircraft on that base as well. So my dad worked in on the um, vehicles first and then transitioned later to aviation. So maybe just subconsciously seeing some of that, I was drawn to it. I don't really have a, you know, go to answer other than I was born this way.
0: <laughs> so you basically were the reverse top gun. Basically you're like, you're like the Tom Cruise of the family is what you are.
1: Yeah, I'll take that. I <laughs> wish I had his
0: money. I just wish I was Tom Cruise. Who doesn't want to be Tom Cruise? The guy is the greatest. <laughs> right. I mean, he's got to be at least, he's, well, he's in his 60s. He looks like he's in his 50s. Yep. I mean, he looks great. He puts out popcorn movies that you watch over and over again, and yep. you leave, you feel his movies, they connect. I don't care who you are, they, you could be a black midget seriously that's transitioning (laughs) and you'll still go you know what I love Tom Cruise I mean you'll have the big arms and and you still go I connect with Tom Cruise you go how don't worry about it I mean they do everybody connects (laughs) with Tom Cruise I mean they really do he makes the best movies in the world
1: yeah I agree with that
0: (laughs) if you had to pick if you had to pick motorcycles or airplanes what would you pick
1: god that's so hard um Financially, motorcycles. uh, I think I would get more opportunity there. Um, Flying is just stupid expensive. um, And I'm on the journey to become a pilot. I'm still a student pilot. So, um, you know, money tends to get in the way of that sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, if money was an option, I would love to fly. But motorcycles are it for me.
0: No, never put, never talk like that because you you limit yourself. You got to have a limitless yeah. mind. So don't ever mention money. I don't have enough because you'll always never have enough. You always live a limitless life. And being a young, vibrant, beautiful woman like yourself, it will come to you. You put it out there in the universe <laughs> and it comes to you. It's just the truth. That's how I live. I like to live a, a, a limitless yeah. life. I'm like a black hippie. I mean, I, I just live <laughs> a nice and limitless life and that's what's going to happen to you, you know? But I will never fly with you as long as you put learning and student in front of pilot once you become a pilot pilot we'll go up in the air but but if you're, i'll,
1: come, I'll bring you we'll go get some peach cobbler once i become a pilot how about that
0: <laughs> once you become a pilot pilot and we, and you go solo yeah you can land in yes. uh, on i-65 and i'll and we'll do like some tom cruise stuff and i'll <laughs> jump in and we'll fly and go get some peach cobbler but until then yeah we'll leave it like uh we'll leave it at that we'll leave it at that
1: okay that <laughs> we'll leave it as a uh
0: vision goal or something whatever vision board or whatever they have nowadays we'll get on pinterest we'll put it on a vision board on pinterest and have a peach cobbler and have an airplane we'll
1: collaborate we'll collaborate
0: we'll collage we'll have like a little vision board you know and we'll go hey how was your vision board today and I'll, and that'd be me and jessica right there I'm going to get some peach cobbler <laughs> so, how, so how long you been how'd you get into racing racing
1: uh, in 2019, I actually a friend uh, wanted to go racing and she was kind of scared and I actually had no desire to ever race. I never thought, I don't know why, I just it never crossed my mind. I was coaching at the time and um, I've been doing track days for about six or seven years uh, at that point in time. And it just never really crossed my mind. I probably just no different than flying. Like I just never really thought about it until someone brought it up. It's like, Oh, you should do this. I'm like, what? That's, that's an option. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, reached out and they were having a, an all girls race and she really wanted to participate. She wanted to get some people involved. So she asked me and my friend Nicole and I was like, no, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a motorcycle that is race ready. And, uh, long story short, buddy, mine let me borrow his bike and, I did it and um it was like putting the needle in the vein. <laughs> it's all she wrote.
0: <laughs> that's so you caught the bug. I don't know
1: what it's like to put the needle in the vein. Let's just say, but from what I see on TV, it, well, when you addicts know. become addicts, yes. that's what happened. <laughs>
0: you, you, Allison, changes it basically. That's what I always say. You know, yeah. yeah. So good for you. That that yeah. was your dirt. You know, Allison changed that album. Basically, was about heroin yeah. addiction, and that's what it was for you with the motorcycles, which I think is great. Once you caught that yep. bug, so I was gonna say, did you find? the bike life or did the bike life find you
1: so the way i got into motorcycles is i was in the cars first um and i had a car that was all fixed up you know and was fast for me and i used to drag
0: race what what kind what kind of car was it it,
1: you're gonna laugh when i tell you but this is the era of fast and the furious and nopey days um i actually (laughs) (laughs) You're going to really laugh when I tell you this, but it's okay. Um, I had a Dodge Stratus that had the first um, ground effects kit put on it. I worked with um, the company that made them for the Dodge Neons back in the day. And I was like, man, I want this for my car. And I, I mean, I just had little stuff done, air intakes, mufflers, stuff like that. Just little things. And raced on the vixen accords at the drag strip and thought I was something back in the day um, and then my brother totaled the car and it was just too much money I mean so much money that cycles and uh, when I turned 18 um, you know I'm an adult at that point in time and my parents can't tell me anything and uh, they've always said no 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 but I am an adult at 18 years old I know that's right so what did I do <laughs> I went and bought a motorcycle, okay. a Ninja 250. Oh, Woo-hoo. shit. I can't
0: tell Jessica nothing. Mm-mm.
1: <laughs> right. So that's kind of how I got into bikes. And then um, the high school that I went to, it kind of butts up to uh, Roebling Road here in Savannah, outside of Savannah. Uh, Roebling Road. I don't know if you've heard of that. Hopefully you have. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a track. Uh, they do track days and racing there, like CCS and Wera and all the uh, Pan American now. They all go there. A lot of race teams come there to do testing and tune. They have a lot of a big car scene there as well. Um, but that track backed up to the back of my high school. And it was like, I remember vividly, like during uh, softball camp, um, we'd have to kind of go through these trails and do some running and stuff like that. And it butted up next to that racetrack and I got fixated on it. I was like, one day I'm going to go out there, whether it be in a car or a motorcycle. And um, about f- three or four years later, it happened. I got to go out there and never look back.
0: See, because you said, I'm going to do that. You put it out of the universe. You didn't think about it's yep. going to cost too much. And you did it. And that's how you yep. talk. It's how you have a limitless mind. And that's how you, that's beautiful. Now, (laughs) on your first track day, were you scared? I mean, what was your, and Ann, have you got a knee down yet? Oh, have I now? Yes.
1: Oh, my knee stays down. If if you've ever seen me ride, I I have the worst body position in the world. Um, I ride with my legs wide open. It's a bad habit from riding on the street for so many years, sitting in hot traffic where you try to get your legs off the bike. So it's really bad. Can put a knee down pretty easy. That that's not a thing for me. Um, I never got a knee. But down. actually, so before I got to the road course, um, I used to drag race motorcycles right out of high school and um, partly through college. Uh, I had a little gig with a motorcycle shop in town, and we used to build drag uh, weird, unique drag bikes like choppers. And then I got into drag racing for a little bit. And then how I got to Robling is one of our customers rented Robling for a private track day. And I went out there and I drug a knee on the track and I never went back to drag racing on um, motorcycles. It was always um, road courses for me because the adrenaline, from you can get the adrenaline from the straight line uh, on a road course as well. Maybe not a top speed as a drag bike, but you can still get that uh, significant amount of speed down the straightaway. But to me, there's something more. Uh, powerful about dragging your knee or taking a corner at a high rate right of speed or, you know, just the physics behind those things were is where I got most of my adrenaline, not not necessarily from the top speed anymore.
0: I've taken no less than four, maybe five race schools and I've yet to get a knee down and now it's mental and I just it, it, I I know yeah, don't look at me that way. I just You're I, limiting yourself. I, I get Okay, listen, don't. I feel like we're in a relationship. <laughs> I feel like we're in a relationship right now. Look, stop it woman, <laughs> stop it. But, that, but that's the way I feel. It's like I've taken all these classes and I still have yet to get a knee down. When I was in Pittsburgh, I got a I got my toe down. For some reason We need a, there, you've been to Pittsburgh track, right? You've been there. Okay. Oh or, yeah. yeah there's one that it goes down and kind of up and my my toe whatever and I thought it was my knee I go huh? I go no nah, that was my foot and, and I went up and I was like damn it and it's now it's a mental thing and I can't do it I, I, yep. feel, like, I feel like I got the yips you know in catchers when they can't throw back to the pitcher they throw to the first baseman or the third baseman yeah. and the catcher's like I'm right here yeah. that's what I feel like with the knee I like, get your knee down and I get everything else but the knee down and now it's mental it's mental, yeah. it's mental you're, you're overthinking it. I know that. Thanks wife. I appreciate that. That's what I feel like. <laughs> you know, I, I can't get it out of my head now. I really can't. So how did you go from, I know the feeling. so how did you go from, from that to where you are now with the bill train race program? how did they come about?
1: So um, the first year that bill train race came about from, for the, for the road racing, I actually applied and didn't get in, um, which was fine. I knew what their intent was and they, uh, responded with a great letter stating you know that in that particular year they were looking for people with basically no experience and I just had a lot of experience and you know try again um so the next year I tried again and they they specified in, in that audition that they were looking for people with a little bit more experience so I got chosen for that um last year and was, you know, so grateful for that opportunity. Um, and then also got the opportunity to come back again this year, which I'm equally as grateful for. Um, I think each year as the program progresses, uh, we're going to hopefully see it continue and see it change along the way. Um, and what it, how it initially started and where it is today and how it's developing is, um, really great. You know, you see the Chloe's and the, Kaylees of the world who are now diving into Moto America, Twins, Cups, and giving people an opportunity that maybe the, not necessarily that they wouldn't have, but maybe they didn't believe in themselves that they could do something like this. And I believe this program encourages us to go after things that we typically may not think we're capable of doing. And, you know, it's really setting the precedence that we can go achieve those goals, whether they're a goal or not prior to this but maybe that it opened up a new window for us to see these opportunities that we may have never even thought about before you know the program so that's one of the really good things about the program that I love and why I applied um, for it in the beginning anyways because I really was passionate about what it what its intentions were for you know women in racing.
0: Now, was that one of the impetuses for uh, you starting your hot mess racing program? I know you're a part owner of that. And so, yeah, yeah, I was. Okay, how long has that been around? How long has that been around? (laughs)
1: Um, so we started Hot Mess Racing in 2019. That was uh, me and Nicole Pariso. Uh, we met at a track day at Roebling in 2018. And um, uh, Nicole was probably the first female that I'd met at a track who I felt that I could um, be on the same level with in terms of riding. I'd met a couple of people in the past where either I was coaching them um, and things of that nature. And, and that's fine. There was no ill will there or anything like that. But, um, when I met Nicole on the track, it was like this connection because we were kind of at the same skill level Mm -hmm. and it was so awesome to have like a battle buddy per se. Um, so we started doing that and, um, we, uh, you know, got bumped up to advanced and with our local track day organization. And we, or she had jokingly said, um, when the other girl had asked us to go do that one particular race, you know, if we ever make it to advanced then maybe we'll think about, um, racing. And then, so that girl asking us to go race us, you know, weeks after being bumped to advanced, taking on our first race, we were like, okay, we've, we're going to create this team. Um, and, in it, hot mess just fits us perfectly. And then we're going to use that as a as a path to encourage other women to do what we just did. Um so each year we you we try to sponsor a couple ladies to go do a track day on their own. You know, we'll pay for that just to get them out there because sometimes this is a huge investment for people. And if they're not really sure if it's something that they want to do, it's hard to take the risk to go buy all the equipment, to go buy the track time, to go do all these things and you go out there and you hate it you know so it's a it's a huge investment from that aspect so we try to um hot mess tries to give back in in ways where they can will limit some of that cost on some of these people and let them go out there and try this for the first
0: time and see if it's something they like i think that's beautiful but who hates who would hate a track day who would hate going to a, a track i mean even if it's like no no I, I, You'd be surprised. I, so, you I would know. be surprised. I would be. Because to me, a racetrack is the racing in the world. That's the one place. I mean, there's two or three places where I feel at home. And I honestly, I am so happy. Like when MotoGP goes to Dakota, and no one understands this, but when I'm at a racetrack, there's times when I'm there right before the FP1 starts. And, you know, usually, you know, racing is always like in the, you know the warm months or whatever. There's times I almost cry because I'm so happy and the smell and the sound of racing and you smell that burning, I mean that, you know, the burning oil. And honestly, I just, I'm, I'm by myself and I got the earphones in and listen to the commentators and I literally just want to cry because I'm so happy. So who yeah. hate, who has a track day and goes, I don't really like this. Who does that?
1: Well, there, I mean, you, you meet people like that all the time. Um, typically it's the people who, don't like to follow directions um, or like, he, I mean, that's the truth of the matter, right? So if you go to a track day and you've seen knuckleheads there that give the organization or people a hard time because, you know, they didn't follow the rules or they passed too close or they did whatever. A lot of times people think, oh, I pay all this money. I should be able to go out there and do whatever the heck I want to do. But we're there for a reason, right? We're there to teach people how to right go way. have fun on the track in a safe environment and do all these things. And we, we know going into this that there's different skill levels there and it's our responsibility to play nice and follow the rules. Um, then the other aspect of it is is you just have some people who are bred a little different and I have some really, really close friends that are that way and I like to compare it to the Isle of Man and MotoGP. How many people that are in MotoGP do you see competing in the Isle of Man? Uh. Right. Because those street riders that ride like that on the street, they're a different breed of crazy. We're all crazy in a way, right? You're on a motorcycle. But of course we are. that's just a whole nother level. I want <laughs> to know. That's a whole nother level. But I actually.
0: go no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
1: I, was, I have a couple guys that I ride with, um, a little group called church a Go. Um, they're a great group of guys. I met them through some mutual friends and I've been riding with them for about six or seven years now. They're, uh, primarily most of them are based out of Wisconsin. It started from another group called whisper, which was like Wisconsin, something riding group. It's now church a Go. So we have a couple guys in there that'll do both track days and, um, you know, ride in the streets. And we meet in Arkansas and Tennessee a couple times a year. We just ride some really beautiful mountain roads, but there are some guys that are hardcore road race, like road, ride, not racers riders. And they ride, like, I can't keep up with them. I can't even, you know, it's just crazy, but they have no desire to go on the track and we don't understand it. And I don't try to fight them because right. that's their thing, you know, yeah. but man, you put them on a street and they are an animal. I, I, they have no
0: desire to hit the track. I always want to know, how do you practice for the Isle of Man or any of those road races? Like, like, do you like go up to a cop and flip him off and go, catch me? And then basically, he has <laughs> chase to go, me. Yeah, chase me and you're going like, <laughs> OK, I did that in about 30 minutes. I, I should be good. You know, and like you time yeah. it, around. like, how do they practice for that? That that is that to me I is yeah, that to me isn't like you ever talk to those guys. I've I've had the pleasure of talking to some journalists who've covered that. And they said like, those guys remember like at certain parts, like, yeah, there's a, there's a manhole cover there right next to yeah. uh, a, a pole that, and they, they remember like the minute details and you go, wow. And when they outrun, remember when I think it was guy, I think it was guy, he outran a helicopter. Do you remember that? He outran a helicopter, I man. I mean, it's unbelievable. But I, but back to the track day. I had to. I didn't want to stop you, but I had somebody on here, and he was one of those knuckleheads that went to his first track day, and he was used to you know tearing up the streets. And he was like, "Hey, man, you know they're doing trying to tell him what to do in the classroom." He goes, "Look, I know what I'm doing," and he gets out there. And he said he went so fast and he didn't know how to turn. And he went into, he got onto the grass and he got this close to hitting the fence. And he turned like sheet white. And they go, you okay? I go, yeah. And after that, he understood. And I thought that was the funniest story. His name is Trax yeah. Days. If you're following Trax Days from New York, I love this guy. You got to follow him. And we talked yeah. about that on the program. And I think that's funny. So you have knuckleheads that think they know what they're doing. And they get out there and they don't.
1: It, does, it happens all the time. And, it, and I just have to remind people, like, I get it. Like, I'm not doubting your skill level. But at the same time, my job is to make sure everybody is having a good time because everybody paid to be there. And we're all and everybody has a different skill level, you know, play nice and we'll get you the track time that you need where you can Go let those skills shine, you know. Yeah. But you always have those kind of people, and the, and sometimes a lot of times they end up humbling themselves with scenarios like you just mentioned, and what? then you just kind of give them a little smirk and say, like, "See, I I know you don't think I know what I'm talking about, but I kind of do sometimes."
0: What is the biggest? If, if right at the top of your head, what's the biggest knucklehead you could think of that was at a track day that thought they knew what they were doing? And is it usually men? Is it usually men? I can't really see women being crazy like that. But is it usually men? And I'm thinking it's younger dudes. It
1: is. Yeah. It is. And age doesn't doesn't matter. I don't think I've had any incident with women where um it's been too much like that, maybe just like they needed to be in a higher group and they hadn't rode with, you know, the org before and you know they needed e an eval. and you just explain, okay, yeah, we can do an e blah, 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 we'll get you there. Um I've had an incident where a guy was a car guy person and spent a lot of time in a car at Barber and, you know, because he never ran with the or or he had the opportunity to sign up for intermediate, but I believe it was sold out. So he had to start novice, Um, you know, you have classroom time, you have all these things. And he was like, I've been around this track 100 times, you know, in a car and blah, blah, blah. Um, so by the time we got out to the session where they were by themselves and they were no longer following the, you know, the mama duck or, or the daddy duck, whatever you want to call it, they were out on their own. now they're, they're in charge of making those decisions and using those, um, perceptions going into corners and things like that. They no longer had a reference point. Um, he later came back to me and apologized and he said, I just want to let you know that I I do apologize. Um, (laughs) When I got let loose, it was not the same as following. And yes, following was painfully slow because we're a novice. But I told him as soon as we let you guys go, that your pace is going to pick up. All these things, you're going to be on your own. It's going to be a little different.
0: I love. And it. he
1: acknowledged that later in the day, um, and apologized for giving me a hard time. So it was all good. It it happens all the time. It's. Comes with the gig, but it's fun to kind of see the light turn on when people have that epiphany and they're like, "Oh crap!"
0: Yeah, <sighs> they were right. <laughs> now, now, for you personally, what what what's your biggest oh shit moment? I always ask everybody who's raced or whatever. There's that moment where you go, "Oh!" And my favorite moment is when I asked Sean Dylan Kelly, who races in Moto Two now, what was his biggest yep. oh shit moment? He was like, when he was in Red Bull Rookies Cup he was at her and he's hitting it going around this corner. He think he's on it. And he said, Raul Fernandez came past him like and he goes, Holy shit, this is what I got to do. And so that always, that always resonates with me. So what was your biggest, Oh shit moment that you, that he's had in racing?
1: Um, how, I guess I would say, so the first race weekend, um, that we ever did was with CCS and it was, actually a really cool weekend um we ended up doing it at roadling which is i guess you could say my home track that you know it's in my backyard basically mm-hmm. um so i was running probably 124s at track days prior to this race weekend um the last time i actually like did a lap time there on a 600 i was riding a, a day a daytona 675 at the time so we go out and we're in practice. You have warmups first before the race is in. Um Greg Milka, I don't are you familiar with no. Greg Milka. No. Um, he's been around a long, long, long time. CCS guy. Uh he gives me and Nicole a Nicola toe basically, and our times drop down into the teens. Um, so when we go to do the um uh, race meeting uh before the races start they have the morning meeting they bring us all over right after practice and they're going over everything and they're like and who are you people or whatever and uh you know, they were pretty impressed with our times for being brand new racers or whatever. And really we had to contribute it to Greg because he gave us a toe essentially. Mm -hmm. But then later on in the race, um, you have like the Stefano Mesa's or whatever, where you're like riding your heart out and he just rides by you and blows you a kiss or gives you a tap on the rear, you know, as he passes by or gives you a wheelie or whatever, and you're riding your little heart out and he just makes it look so easy and effortless. But At the same time, they're they're such a great group of people at the racetrack and so many people that are, you know, they're happy to see you out there. And I think that's the most significant thing for me in the aha moment is even when you feel like you're not your best, um, people still believe in you and want to see you out there doing, you know, doing what you're doing.
0: So. There's nothing that pisses me off more than that moment. There, I mean, every everything, like all the race schools. From I was in Donington Park in England, and the one recently that I remember. Okay, Donington Park. I was at Barber and in Pittsburgh. Whenever I follow those people, the the, the, the instructors that I get, I don't know what they're doing. They're freelancing and they go past doing a wheelie and I'm doing the best I can. And I literally go, I hate you. I really want to flip them off. I hate them. I mean, with a purple passion, but I can't do anything about it. It's, it's like, it's like if Mike Tyson pushed me, like, what are you going to do? And I can't do anything. You know what I mean? So, and that's what it's like. I hate them so much because I'm doing the best I can and I'm really trying. I'm, the, I'm the It's k- really
1: a love hate though. Right. It's a hate, hate. It's really a love, Be- hate. It, it's a you hate, hate it no. and you love it at the same time because it's kind of cool.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, it is because, like I said, man, there's no place. Whenever I'm at a racetrack, it's just the great. Like, whenever, like, I, I can't. It, it's almost like the adult version of Christmas Eve when you're a kid because mm-hmm. the night before I'm at a hotel I'm like, I'm going to be at the track and, I, and, I'll, and I'll do yoga the night before, maybe early, early and I get to the track and I'm all excited and you know, you always smell that that, that smell and you, and then you get in your to, to your leathers and you go out and it's just the greatest feeling in the world and I'm doing the best I can and they come by on a wheelie, you're going by 80 and you go, you know what, I hate you bro I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can and you can go by on a wheelie and make me look bad in front of these chicks, I feel so bad I hate that more than anything. I really do. So have you been alone? Have you always been competitive? Have you always been competitive? I mean, I know you did sports and everything, but some people do sports just to do it. But yeah,
1: but I'm not. I wish I was a little bit more competitive than when I am. I am competitive, but not like I'm just. I don't know if it's my age or what. Nowadays, I'm just like, oh, uh, uh." this whole. So I don't think I take as many risks as maybe I would have had I started this in my younger days you know well,
0: um well how are you different that, how are you different now than you were in your younger like do you, like I always want to ask do you did you see yourself where you are now when you were younger and how did you and how were you when you were younger how did you see your life playing out because now is it different or or did you do a 180 like why well, did not see myself here
1: I did a 180 um so Whenever I, when I was in college, I initially went to college to be a nurse because that's what my mom, you know, medical field, let's do that. She worked in medical field. She wasn't a nurse, but, you know, you just knew that there would be longevity and a career there in the medical field. Went through nursing school, went all the way through nursing school, um, practicals, clinicals, all that stuff. And I just hated life it was not for me um I can't separate things I can't like you have to have you, it takes a very special person to work in a medical field and I have nothing but um respect for the, those people um I, it's not me I love animals and I love people when I could never work in either of those fields um so it took a drastic change for me. Um, and then I just, I've always worked pretty much right out of, or I worked in high school too. So I've always been like, I need to work. I need to save money. I need to do all these things. It's just kind of how I was raised. Um, a little bit more conservative, um, to say like, you know, plan for your future plan for, um, all those things really I'll tell you when my life changed or when that whole thing changed. Um, in 2014, I unexpectedly lost my father to cancer. Um, he passed away probably 12 months to him retiring for the second time. So he'd retired from the military and then he worked for the city for 20 years and he was about a year shy from um, retiring. And he, he he and my mother had made all these plans for the future of things that they were gonna do when they retired and never got the opportunity to do it. And it was literally like a light switch came on that day. I was like, you know, I totally understand that we need to plan for our future and those things, but I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. So how do I find that balance? And that balance was, okay, I'm going to live for today and for tomorrow, potentially, but definitely for today. Um, so I do a lot more now than I ever did because, you know, prior to so that my whole life was, I was taught plan, you know, save for your future, save for this, save for that. And I'm not saying that I'm not saving for my future, but I have a really nice balance where before I wouldn't take risk or do things or put me first or whatever those things are. Um, so even though it was a very tragic event in my life, I think it was also um, one of the best things that ever happened to me because it just really changed um, it just changed my outlook on life. Uh, it made me appreciate life and how short it was. And um, and now I'm doing really cool things that I probably would have never thought of doing before because I would have made an excuse for why I can't do it right now.
0: I think to have the clairvoyance to do that, I mean, to find happiness or to, or to find that silver lining out of tragedy... Something should, is to be said from that, you know, because sometimes, I mean, it devastates people and they can't get out of it. And I mean, God yeah. bless them, because I don't know, you know, everybody handles grief different. But to see that they have that kind of voice to like, go, OK, you know. I commend you for that. You know, it's like I got to start living life. And that's the truth. When that resonated with me, you saying that because my dad's always said that you never promise tomorrow. And people save up. And I get it. You save up. But that's old school. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with that. You know, you save up, you save up. But it's like, man, you got to live for it today and you know and keep your fingers crossed because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you really don't so ball out man you got to ball out and you've done some cool shit you I've seen you you did ice racing or road ice (laughs) in in Minnesota I was like look at this chick I mean you were killing it you were I I, I literally thought you were in Finland but you were in Minnesota riding (laughs) and I'm like she's fucking killing it you were killing it how was that was that fun
1: that was awesome. I've, I actually got to do that a couple years ago too with my Church of God guys in Wisconsin. And then we did it uh, a couple of the BTR ladies. Um, Trish Dahl is the one that kind of hooked that up for us this year. Um, and we just, we just started saying that we're going to do some kind of event every year to kind of keep our um, BTR family together for those that have moved on to other opportunities and, you know, just to keep that friendship um, alive and just go explore things together. So uh, yeah, that was a very, very awesome experience. Um, Man, they even had airplanes there, which was awesome. So I I was like on overload, uh, sensory overload with all the things happening that weekend. It was, it was
0: truly an awesome weekend. Now, now what are some motorcycle goals that you have? Like, like there's still, I mean, I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if there's enough years in my life to do everything that I want to do in life and also on a motorcycle. Like I, I like I personally, even though I, I can't say never, but The Dakar Dakar Rally always holds a place in my heart and like I want to go I want to go to Morocco and ride like what are some of your motorcycle goals that you want to do?
1: Um, So I would love to go to another country like Europe or something and ride. So my mom is from Germany. She still owns a house in Gerlstein, which is probably, I think, 20 miles or so from the Nuremberg Ring. Um, I've been there to visit, but I've never rode on the track. Yes. Um, So that's a goal is I would love to go ride some European track, whether it's a track day or wherever. I think that would be cool. Um, I have a secret that I would really love to race a bagger. I think that would be awesome do that (laughs) queen of the bagger yes do that (laughs) um you have this you have at your
0: disposal do that
1: yeah yeah so that might be that might be something in my in the future if they keep that program going on there might be some opportunities there to do something cool with that um kind of get me back to my uh college days of choppers and harleys and uh building cool stuff so you never know what that will do um i still want to go watch the isle of man that is probably number one on my bucket list of things to do. Um, it will happen. Yes. I, I will go visit that one day. Yes. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, ride in different countries, uh, hopefully continue to encourage people who don't think they can do what we do on the track or ride motorcycles or whatever. Um, hopefully I can do that forever and ever and ever. um, Be 80 and ride a bike. I met a lady one time at a Ducati day that was in her 80s doing a track day. And I was like...
0: Yes. Isn't that the greatest inspiration? When you see older people still doing it, you go, yes. Because... It used to be if you were 50, people go, oh, my God, you're going to die like pretty soon. And you go, what now? <laughs> now, if you're 50, you're in skinny jeans. You're dating somebody in your 30s. You know what I mean? You got a band. You know, you're flying to other countries where you're a pharmaceutical rep, if you know what I mean. I mean, you're doing different <laughs> things in life. You know what I <laughs> mean? So that's what's that's great. Fun. So that's what's great about life. Now, it's so limitless. If Martha Stewart yep. can pose for Sports Illustrated in a swimsuit issue. Hey, go it, her. the sky's the <laughs> limit. And you, here's what I say. Here's what, here's what I want you to do. And this, I did this for my 50th. I want you, what I want you to do is go to Europe. I rented a bike in Milan, in, in Italy. I'm in, I rented a bike in Milan and rode up to the Stelvio Pass. And and when you do that, I, all I want you to do is text me and go, thank you. That's all I want you to do because it, it's the most beautiful ride ever. I went to the Stelvio Pass in June and it was snow on the top. And that's where like, it's Italy, Spain, uh, I think France and I think in Switzerland they're all they all converge at the top and nobody was at the little you know the passport place whatever so I rode over into Switzerland like for like 300 yards and go and then the u and came back so don't tell them i don't want them chasing me down but yeah it's the great and I, they were getting ready for the tour de france also so they um so it was bicycles nothing but bicycles and motorcycles and it, and it was it's the greatest that's awesome yeah it's the greatest ride you'll ever do so you that i want you to put that on your bucket list also that you go okay rent a bike in milan and you drive to the stillville pass and all i want you to do is you say, need to text it to
1: me so i won't forget
0: Oh, you won't forget, girl. Trust me, you won't forget. Now, now that we're like this, oh, it's it's the biggest mistake you ever made in your life. You know, I mean, look at Kaylee. I mean, I'm wearing this fur She can't. I know, right? She right. can't. She can't get rid of me. She can't get. She's tried, but she can't get rid of me. I mean, I'm like this with her. I know she's trying. I like, love it. Oh, yeah. Oh God, please. I'm like, hey, Kaylee. Oh God, here he is again. You can't get rid of me. Once you're on this show, we're like this. That's the way. I, that's the way awesome. I feel. Awesome. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. So Stelvio pass for you. And I'm trying to think of another thing I want you to do. I want you to ride. I just want to I I me personally I want to go to Morocco and ride. I just think it'd be great to ride in Africa in the desert yeah. and there's something just
1: Where do they do the little monkey um do they do it in Morocco? They have like a monkey, the Honda monkey rally. I have a friend that actually did it. I'll have to ask her where she, no, maybe that was across some desert. I can't remember, but
0: there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Well, You know do. you know what? The monkey is basically this Honda Z50. I'm so sick of them calling it monkey because it's the Z50. I had the Z50. I, 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 I got some ears on you. Okay. Cause you said you were born in 83. I go, oh my God. So it's like, I feel like I can tell you to go to bed, like go to bed. And you'd be like, dad. So, I mean, I feel like I got some ears on you but either way though I got my first motorcycle was a Honda Z50 and now it's the monkey and I'm like you can't fool me you know what I mean I know a Honda Z50 when I see a Honda Z50 because I had the original <laughs> I remember that I had the originator so it's like they say it's the monkey I go, eh, it's the Z50 it's a Z50. Just got to evolve. Let it evolve. It's okay. No, it's not okay. It's the Honda Z50, and I'm sick of them calling a monkey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so did, did, now, were you ever uh, – did you ever ride a chopper? Did you ever ride a chopper? Were you a chopper girl? Did you ride on the back of a motorcycle? I wasn't a
1: chopper girl, but, I, I mean, I, I rode them. So, uh, we built uh, really cool, like – old school, the, our motto was purpose built. Um, the shop that I used to work at was called jailhouse choppers. Um, it was like the, uh, Billy Lane, Indian Larry era of time. So we would go out to like those really old school, uh, shows. And we did a, we did a couple of biker build offs and things of that nature. Not like on the, on the TV scale, but it was during the whole, uh, orange County cycle time, all that stuff. Um, but no, we built like our big, uh, claim to fame was um taking Buells and converting them into choppers and um oh, nice just building rugged rugged hard uh hardcore stuff it was pretty cool back in the day. Is Billy Lane out of Jacksonville? Where is he out of? Uh Melbourne. Okay. Melbourne.
0: okay 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 I, I could have sworn i saw something with him because i was into that back in the day also i never really was a chopper mm-hmm. dude but you know like i respect it let's put it that way you know what i mean Right. like, like all bikes i respect but i never was a chopper dude i've always been like yeah. I, I don't know i was like a little little different you know what i mean like i, I don't know if i'll ever be a bagger guy and I, I wouldn't and i'm not even you know down in that at all but i don't know if i could ever be a bagger dude i always picture myself as just like if I could, I would love to win the lottery and just ride around. I mean, every like, you know, like BT, yeah, yeah. I'm in New York one day, and the next day, you know, I'm I'm in Montana, like BT, and like no matter where I, I'm just somewhere different, and I just walk in and I do my thing and leave, and then nobody knows where I'm at. That's that's where I want to be, you know. That's awesome. Be a nomad. There's nothing like a nomad, you know. That's right. On two wheels, like okay, so that that's your biker goals. Now, flying goals. What do you want to do? Like, where do you want? Do you want to be like the next Amelia Earhart? I mean, minus the you know, minus the not being found. <laughs> do you want to be the next Amelia Earhart? You know? Oh, what happened? <laughs> you okay? and by the way, what do you do? By the way, oh. my, my producer said, "What does she do?" I go, "You know what? I don't know." Like, what do you do? What do um, you? Can you tell? I me?
1: work for I work for Gulfstream Aerospace. We build oh. private business jets.
0: Oh, oh, so you big time then, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, excuse me. No wonder you had to keep it on the wraps. Like, yeah, it, it's <laughs> something, something you can't afford, uh, BT.
1: So for uh, for flying goals, um, I don't know. We'll see where it takes me. I don't, I don't have a desire to go to the airlines or make a career out of it. Maybe a supplemental thing where you know, get my commercial, become a CFI and teach people how to fly, something of that nature, and maybe work at the local flight school part-time or something like that, just for some extra income and fun, um, build hours that way. Um, but I don't think I have any desire to go and, um, do anything crazy with it. Maybe, um, I mean, they do some cool stuff like they have races and stuff in the sky, which is kind of neat. And they have like all women's teams that do that. Um, maybe something like that down the road, but right now it's just a hobby. Uh, it's fun to be able to just pick up and go to another city or, you know, fly along the coast and see the sunset and things of that nature. It's just, it's just world in the sky um it's a little calming most of the time um i don't know it can be stressful too depending on where, where you're flying and um things of that nature but i don't know it's just it's just a hobby at the moment but that could change you know you might talk to me in two years and um doing something crazy who knows
0: maybe a peach cobbler delivery service how about that
1: uh yeah I, only for you though those are <laughs> only for special people
0: Oh, I'm special, all right. <laughs> as, as, as my mama would say, "Oh, you special, all right, boy."
1: <laughs> How you define that is up to you. I won't. I won't put that definition out there.
0: Oh, trust me. You, you, trust me. You won't hurt my feelings. Trust me. I grew up in the '70s. You can't. You, you, you can't hurt our feelings. I mean, if you grew up in the '70s, we were. We, I mean, we're just a whole different breed. I mean, we had a president that left. I mean, we made him leave, but he left. <laughs> we, had a, we ran out of gas. We ran out of toilet paper for the for the pandemic. We ran out of gas and our president left so you can't hurt our feelings you can I'm like what are you gonna say to us like what that we haven't been through we had a president right. leave i mean granted we had a pope leave but that's different we had a president leave we had no gas i mean we were the toughest generation there is so you know i mean that's why we're a little bit rough around the edges you know we're like hey you kids here yeah you, you know you get all hard you know hardened with your feelings you know what i mean so yeah i mean you can't hurt my feelings nothing
1: wrong with that <laughs>
0: that's what you say now until you get to know me but still no so okay so now what i want to ask now is like i always ask every racer this when you're on the grid for a bill train race and the race is about to start what goes through your head how do you get yourself up for the race like do you listen to music do you talk to people do you joke around are you all serious i always want to know the mental space that you're in when the before the race starts um,
1: i typically I typically, um, you know, with a built train race, it's a little different because you are all underneath the same tent um, versus like club racing or anywhere else. You would typically have your own space mm-hmm. um, with a team environment. It's a little bit different. I will say that I'll typically just sit on my motorcycle for a few minutes um, prior. Sometimes I'll sit in a chair, but really just kind of call myself, you know, talk to myself through this. You're here to have fun. You're here to, you know, this is an opportunity that most people won't ever get. Go have fun, um, you know. It just kind of takes some pressure off myself, kind of. Um, Sometimes, and normally, I'm, I'll walk through the through the tent and give everybody a fist bump or something, you know. Get them hyped up, get them calm them down, whatever you want to call it, um, and then just go back to my area and kind of just chill out again. Um, and then it, it's weird as soon as you the bike gets off the stand. All the nerves, uh, everything, all the emotions um for me just kind of go away. Um, it's almost like a calm sets in for a minute. Um, you do your little siding lap, you come through, you do your warm-up lap, you get a little bit of butterflies again, and then it's just like the world stops for a couple milliseconds until the light goes off, and then it's just then it's just like you know, go time um, a switch kicks on and you go from, you, you know, everything's kind of calm and just sitting there to, all right, it's time to survive. And, you know, fight mode comes in and,
0: and then we just go. Is that your favorite moment of life? I mean, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to I'm talking out of my ass here, but I just feel like you have a great life. I feel like I feel I feel like I feel like you're kicking life in the ass now. You're having a great time. I feel like you love your job. You love what you do. But is that your favorite moment in life when you're on that grid?
1: Yeah, there's I I could I could say that for sure, because there's just nothing that quite compares to it. Um, Flying gives you a lot of that, but it's, there's just a different type of adrenaline that comes to sitting on the grid. Um, it's just amplified. Uh, I I don't know, you know, you just, especially like in a Moto America environment, um, you just know the people that are there watching, you know, that it's on TV, you know, all these added things to it. And it's just like reality hits you and it, it gives you this sense of, I don't know. It feels like a drug gets pushed through you where you just feel so high. Um, and and there hasn't been anything else that has been able to compare to that um, that I know of yet.
0: Needle in the vein. Needle in the vein. That's what it is. Needle in the vein. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than being on this show, I think probably it's like the biggest high ever, huh? Other than being on this show. Right?
1: <laughs> you're right. You're right. I didn't. I mean, man. <laughs> Oh, no. You're so right.
0: Don't even pull. I it. didn't know
1: how to put it in words. Don't let me pull
0: your leg. Come on, stop it. Don't let me pull <laughs> me your leg. I just, like I said, I feel like it's a relationship. You're right, honey. Whatever you say, mm-hmm. that's my baby. No, but you know what? Honestly, and I look at you is like the great thing about you is, and I I got inspiration from it is that you're racing now at this stage of your life where you know, and I just think it's great. That little girls can look have a, a hero to look up to. That's a woman that's in a positive light. And I I said it to all everybody at female racers that I, I talked to. I cannot stand those Real Housewives of the whatever the whatever. I hate that shit. And I and all due respect to the Kardashians how they made their money, but I hate all that shit too. I just feel like sports is the best place for a female to look up to, for role models. Cause I think for the girls to have, to look up to in a positive environment. And that's what sports does. It's a structured environment and it teaches teamwork and it teaches positivity. And I just think having somebody to look up to like you and for women period, because there might be women at this stage of your life and this is no shade being thrown on you, but it's like, I think sometimes you reach a certain age, you go, okay, okay, there's no reason to dream anymore. Because I think sometimes as adults, we think that. I think sometimes as adults, we go, okay, I'm at this age. Well, I guess it's time to die now. I mean, whatever. You don't dream anymore. And the fact you're doing it at this age and you still talk about other stuff that you want to do that's got to be an inspiration to someone watching this that's maybe in her 30s maybe in their 20s they didn't know what they were going to do in life and they're maybe they were structured and all of a sudden they see you doing they go you know what if she can do it how come i can't do it do you feel yourself being yep. a role model to the, to women like that
1: i do and, I, and i'll feed off that a little bit i remember actually the first race weekend ever uh with ccs uh we were standing in the lunch line or the cafe whatever the to get some food, the line, um, and did not get out get out of our suits because we were the first race up. So we're just really going to go in there, get something quick and, um, get back out there. Right. So we're standing in our suits, uh, me and Nicole, and we were talking and out of the corner of my eye, I got a glimpse of a little girl who like, saw me and Nicole standing there in our suits. And she like tugged at her mom and like pointed at us. And it literally melted my heart because we are absolutely nobodies in this world of racing, right? Like a nobody. But in that moment she saw us and you could tell like the light went off, like, Oh my gosh, they're do, you know, they're riding motorcycles or they're doing this never said anything to us. Uh, we just kind of waved at her or whatever. And she smiled real big, but you got that feeling. Um, and I've had even a lot of males reach out to me and say, Hey, how do I get into this? How do I do these things? Um, I don't care who I inspire. If I'm inspiring somebody, every single thing I do is well worth it to me. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly that comes with it. Sometimes it is, it is, you know, it's so worth it to me. I, I had a, um, pretty gnarly, crash on the streets many years ago, where I kind of ended up, uh, you know, my stupidity led to other people learning from my stupidity. And I had so many people reach out to me and say, Hey, I saw your crash. You know, I saw the what happened to you. Um, I went out and bought a leather jacket that day, or I did this, or I did that. And I'm like, you know, it was worth sitting in the hospital for a week being stupid from something I did from being stupid. um, If it changed someone else's life that they you know, they learned from my mistake.
0: What did you do? What did you do?
1: (laughs) Just an idiot. Like I always wore leathers and this one time I didn't. So I went out in jeans and a textile jacket. Um, wasn't going to go riding that day. Uh, went riding for just a little bit, ended up running into some people and then went on a bigger ride. And, um, just being stupid took a corner really, really fast. And I knew I wasn't in my leather. So I wasn't like dragging knee, but I wasn't leaned over and I shifted position mid corner and I low sided at a high, high rate of speed. It knocked me out. I slid and basically skinned myself alive on my right side and, uh, broke a shoulder wrist and a, and a knee. And, uh, Skin myself alive.
0: Ah, you know, I was going to be mad at you, but I think you learned your lesson. You know what I mean? Ah. <laughs> I did. I
1: did. It's, I
0: did. I promise. It's always the ones where it's like, it's always, eh, hey, I'm good. I'm not going to wear my jacket. And it, that, yep. it always happens that way. And I always learned. And I wore
1: a jacket, but I did. That's when I really learned um, the grade of. You know, gear like it has different ratings, and I never knew that. I've been riding my whole life, and I never knew that was a thing until then.
0: I never understood why people and my buddy was like this. were like the one thing they skimp on is like the, 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 what they were for protection. Like he would get the cheapest helmet possible, and he goes, "Oh man, helmets! Helmets!" I go, "Yeah, I'm sure a twenty five dollars helmet's going to protect your head. I mean, it's only your head." And he was like, right, well, right. Well, you know, of, of all the things to where he skimped on his helmet, helmet, of all, of right? All that the, trips helmet. me out. Yeah, it's like my mom said. You know, you need all the brains. You you, 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 I mean, it's like you're starting. You're starting in the back of the pack anyway. You need all, all the intelligence right here. You don't need to, to jumble this up. So yeah, always get a good helmet. So again, my mom thinks I'm special. Yeah, I guess she thinks I'm special. Yeah. So like, okay. So as we're almost wrapping up, I just want to know what are the future goals now i mean like we talked about you know where you want to ride and the planes but where do you see yourself now like i mean you're racing now but it's like, it's like 10 years down the line
1: uh, 10 years down the line, you know what you know what i really like to do one day so i spent like 10 years working in non-profit before i came to aviation so i have a really big passion there um Maybe creating like a shop environment for high school students to learn how to work on motorcycles or something like that or get them involved in something other than technology, um, computers and gaming and things of that nature. So um, maybe in my later days, go back to a nonprofit world where I can give back, um, but do it in a capacity with something to do with motorcycles, whatever that may be. Not really sure yet, but there's something
0: there. I love that. I, I would say do it for maybe a lower income and definitely females because I think from my perspective, looking at that, like, man, they need some direction and I think that would help them big time, you know what I mean? Maybe give them a, I just think sometimes with the younger kids, they get a nice direction to go in and somebody, an adult, just like yourself, comes in and just says, hey, maybe you like to do this. And I just think maybe take them on a track or teach them how to fix a motorcycle. Man, that might change the trajectory of their life into a positive way. It's little things like, it's the little things like that. Somebody saying, hey, to you, or like you said, a little girl, you knows man maybe that girl's gonna grow up and she'll be on another podcast and and she'll be like yeah I saw this woman that was racing and blah 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 it's those little things that help you don't think they do and it sounds corny but I always think like maybe who knows maybe she'll see this podcast uh like later on in life and you go hey if that lady can do it I can do it you know what I mean, I mean because it's it's inspiration when I was going through your you know your Instagram feed I was like yeah, man. I mean, to where you are, I go, that's beautiful that you decided to take up racing at you know at this stage. I I, I I love that. I think. And then, you know, I saw you with that University of Georgia sweatshirt and I almost wanted to cancel the interview. I was like, okay, you know what? I, I can't talk to this woman. But so I just Go dogs. You know what? Stop it. Stop it right there. Stop <laughs> it right there. I'm University of Oklahoma. Sooner born, sooner bred. When I die, sooner dead. But we'll let that go. We'll let that go for now. We'll let that go for now. That's not even competition.
1: So I'll let you have that. <laughs>
0: you guys got it in football. Kidding. no you guys got it in football when you, when you win an, when you win an athletic event you can't there's nothing I can say you can say whatever I can't say anything back because that, that's a definitive win there's no mm-hmm. like you know when you talk about politics or anything else you can you can talk all day argue all day but when it comes to sports hey man we beat your ass you go and you just got to sit there with that face like and that's it because it, you won fair and square that's the great thing about sports you win fair and square
1: Oh, you mean we didn't you didn't pay the refs off to call those bad calls?
0: N- not not a 42 to 1 ass whooping. You know what I mean? If you if you take an ass whooping in sports, I don't care how much you paid the ref, an ass whooping is an ass whooping. You know what I mean? I wrestled. That was one on one. There is nothing you you get beat in wrestling one on one in a one-on-one sport. I mean, it wasn't like boxing where judges make a decision wrestling is such a you won because you scored more points literally and there's nothing you could yeah. say i could if somebody could beat me i could beat somebody 1-0 when i could say i beat your ass and go no you didn't i won didn't i and they had to shut up because you did win and that's the yep. it. it's like motorcycle racing i beat your ass you to beat by 100 for a second yeah but I won. Well, I won and won and that's it yeah man Jess rise Jessica I had a ball with you I hope you had a great time too thank I you I had a good time too no I really did I, I, I had you know what the great thing about it I love going into uh things like this where I don't know the person at all and I mean at all so discovering you that sounds weird discovering you is like the great no because I feel like honestly I feel like there was a connection there because you know we're both like you know a little bit you know just a little bit I don't say I say older, but in a different level in life, let's put it that way. But you're still living the dream and you still dream other stuff. And I think that's more important. What I try to get out there is don't let anybody hold your fire. Don't let anybody stop you from achieving a goal. Age is nothing but a number and you can do it. And that's what you're doing. And I love that about you.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hope no. to be doing it for a really long time. Ain't no
0: hoping, girl. You're going to be doing. Ain't no hoping you're, gonna be doing. you're going to be doing. Right, right. You're going to the Stelvio Pass in Italy. You're going to rent a bike. You're going to do that shit. And you're going to the Isle gonna Mante- That's right. You're going to do that shit. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is BT with Tales from a Gemini. Anything else you want to say there, Jess, before we get out of here?
1: No, just go have fun. Don't live for tomorrow. Live for today.
0: I know that's right, girl. Hey, good luck in your next race. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, right here, Jay. Thank you. Right here, Jess rides. <laughs> follow her on Instagram, which is uh, Jess rides, right? Two Two Wheels Jess. Two Wheels Jess. Yeah, that's your email, that's that's personal. That's personal. Yeah. So that's, that's your email. two wheels. Follow her on Instagram at Two Wheels Jess. Follow her on the Bill Train race, man. With World Infield, what they're doing, I love it. it. It's giving everyone an opportunity to race, and I just, if you get a chance, follow that, and you will love it. I promise you. So thank you so much for following Tales from a Gemini. Thank you so much, Jessica Martin. I appreciate that. I want that peach cobbler, girl. Let's get it. I got you. <laughs> Let's get it cracking. Again, I'm BT. You know what to say about this time. You know the word. pay. <laughs>